everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm here with Professor Kath Harmer, who works in experimental medicine and cognitive neuroscience here in Oxford. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. That was a great talk. Thank you. Um, was a really good session, actually, wasn't it? It was. And, and a nice panel discussion. Um, I'm kind of really struck by, and I kind of knew this already about Oxford, but the sort of multidisciplinary aspect. And your work talking about depression treatments really kind of reinforced that. So tell us a bit about your background and who you're working with here in Oxford and how you kind of see that kind of collaboration. So I um, um, studied experimental psychology to start off with. And then I did a PhD in um, animal models and psychopharmacology. So I became really interested in um, the chemicals in the brain and how they influence our behaviour and um, uh, application to different disorders. But I really, really wanted to work with humans and see the translation of the science to, um, to, to humans. And at the time, I wrote to many different departments to, to try and get a postdoc position, and everyone offered me a, a job in an animal lab. Um, and it was only actually Guy Goodwin who uh, was very keen on integration of, of science into psychiatry. He said, yes, sure, come and work with us for a year, and uh, we'll see how it goes. And so um, I, I, I came to Oxford 21 years ago as a junior postdoc. And it's working... In Oxford, this has been a fantastic um, collaborative enterprise because the psychiatry and the clinical academics are, are world leading. They really, um, you can really see the translation of the work into the, the clinic and work at the interface of the clinic. But then we also have all the great science and uh, focus on mechanisms. And I'm in between, really. I sit in the Department of Psychiatry, so I hear all of the, the, the clinical work going on. I feel part of it, but really my job is to bring some of the, the science to that process, particularly the, the science to do with psychology and um, cognitive neuroscience. Um, so it's been um, a really interdisciplinary place to work. And we've seen a kind of real interest from funders in that kind of cross-disciplinary work over recent years. Yes. Um, let's take adolescent depression as an example. Why is that important? Uh, well, adolescent depression is, is hugely important. It's actually relatively under-researched compared to adult depression, but it's the time at which the first episode of depression often occurs. It's a very vulnerable time of, of brain development. And depression experienced during that time can have quite large knock-on effects. It sets the scene for potentially having more episodes of depression in the future. It can also have a big impact on school work, school life, family life, social life, really critical things that form part of our development as, as humans in that, in that time that you really don't want to disrupt. So it's really important to understand adolescent depression and to find effective treatments. But actually the... The field has been um, relatively under-researched compared to other areas in psychiatry. And tell us about your example of fluoxetine. I was really kind of struck by that. So fluoxetine is the only antidepressant that we have decent evidence that works in young people. Is that right? Well, to some, to some extent, fluoxetine is recommended as the first-line treatment for adolescents with um, depression and um, some of the other antidepressants aren't uh, recommended. There's been some work by Andrea Cipriani which suggests in the network meta-analysis that it's really only fluoxetine that, that has the, the best evidence that this works in adolescent depression. There are, I don't want to give an oversimplification because there are other antidepressants that may work as a second or, or third line um, treatments but 
for the, there seems to be something about fluoxetine um, that works particularly well in this age group. And it was that um, clue that we became interested in. Why should that particular antidepressant work the best, given um, that actually SSRIs are quite similar in many ways. So what is it about that that, that leads to these important effects in young people with depression? And where did that lead you? Tell us about the work that you did from that kernel of an idea. So we often start by looking at the effect of drugs in healthy people because it gives us a broad idea of, of, of what's going on um, in terms of how the drug affects um, emotional processing and function. And then that helps us design a better study in, in uh, for example, a depressed group. So we started by looking at the effects of just a single dose of fluoxetine compared to placebo in young um, adults. Because of ethical reasons, we didn't think that we could give fluoxetine to people under 18 as a, who are healthy, who didn't need it. And so we did it from between age 18 to 21, which is still actually in this critical time window of of adolescence and uh, where this uh, first-line treatment of fluoxetine applies. And so we looked at the effects in how people perceive different facial expressions and we found that fluoxetine particularly affected how people deal with anger. And so um, if you have fluoxetine, you're less likely to pick up subtle cues of anger in other people, you take longer to do so, you're less likely to see anger when it's not there. And that was really intriguing because we haven't seen that with any of the other acute so single-dose antidepressants in our studies. So it suggests that there is something a bit different about fluoxetine, and perhaps that is why it's emerged as one of the best treatments for adolescents with depression. And anger is important in teenage depression. Is that a mechanism that's affected by other kind of interventions? Do we know talking treatments and exercise and other things that we know are effective? Yes, so um, anger is important. It's one of the um, core symptoms of depression in adolescence, which is not the same in in adults. It does seem to be a bit different. Um, And yes, treatments which work in depression generally will reduce the irritability and uh, proneness to anger that is a, is a hallmark. So uh, antidepressants are not the only way to, um, to reduce that. There's a, a cognitive behavioural therapy, for example, is an effective treatment for adolescents with, with um, depression. will also have those, have those uh, effects. And so I think it is important to understand how the treatments are, are working and then to try and use that information to either put them together more effectively or to find new ways uh, where because the, because the current treatments we have don't work for everybody so we still need um, more more tools in the toolkit social media is a very kind of black and white place yeah. and people are kind of um, badged as the psychologists the neuroscientists the social psychiatrists yeah etc etc et um, talking to people here I'm really struck by the kind of fact that that is really not the case and that people are really interested in all sorts of different dimensions and collaboration is key to that how do you see as somebody who's positioned really interestingly in that kind of situation how do you see the future of mental health research in relation to adolescent depression where do you think we should be focusing in terms of the collaboration between different types of of individuals yeah and in terms of the interventions that we should be developing well in general I think the more interventions that are available the better because there is not going to be a single treatment for any of the mental health uh, conditions we people will respond to different things and so what the ideal situation is is that we have a number of possibilities that we can offer people and if one fails we've still got other ones that we can try and so I wouldn't like to say that we should only think about you know, uh, lifestyle changes or only think about psychological treatment. What we really need is to think about all of those things 
um, and understand how they how the, how they may be working. But also, I think critically, and it, it comes back to this collaborative approach. Researchers researching psychological treatments have tended to do that separately from researchers looking at the psychopharmacology of antidepressants. And yet, in reality, when a patient gets treatment they will probably get treatment with both and then they might get that from different people prescribing that information or performing that therapy um, and it might be completely disjointed and all we know is that these are two effective treatments and we're putting them together what we really want to know is how can we put them together the best um, is it important the timing for example should you start the treat- drug treatment before the psychological treatment or should you tailor your psychological treatment to build on the drug effects as, as Phil was saying quite a lot of um, antidepressant drug effects on mood occur through process of learning and exposure to social cues if somebody's very isolated and alone they're not going to have that social input so you might need in that case a particular psychological treatment like behavioral activation which puts people back in the social world so they can learn this new perspective and so once we have the framework and the theory we can think about how to put those things together and we can test if it does matter how we do it and which types of therapy work best together and that is something which has been really lacking from the field is this crosstalk bringing it together and not just sort of randomly trialling everything because randomly trialling everything takes years and years and years and years so you have to have a good idea of what you think will work test it ideally in a small scale study and then translate it to a larger um, group and then you can um, find out the answers quicker I think Thanks a lot for talking to me. Great stuff. You're very welcome.